folks, this is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop-de-doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, Broadway performer Brett Schufer to the show. Welcome, Brett. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. I was telling you off air that I, I really love Little Mermaid, and I'm so glad we get to speak with somebody who was in the original Broadway cast. But before we talk about Little Mermaid, what really inspired you to go ahead and go to Broadway and perform? Because you're you're amazing at it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I, you know, I started really young. I um, grew up in a small town in Texas and in my hometown I was sort of this odd little boy who just wanted to sing and dance, and um, I, you know, I was six years old, and I knew that musical theater was going to be my life, and that's such a strange thing for a little kid to know, but uh, that was sort of, I committed my life to it, and luckily I've been able to follow that dream to New York. I've been in New York now for 18 years, and, uh, and I'm still doing it, so knock on wood. When you're doing a show, especially when you're doing a show for a long time, like Little Mermaid, I ended up doing for a total of two years. You know, there there are those days where you're walking through Times Square and you're going to, you know, it's a two show day. You just finished a matinee. It's between shows, and you're just like, you just want space and you want quiet and you want peace, and you're just not going to get that in Times Square. That's just not what Times Square is. So there's certainly days when you're in it where you're just like, oh my gosh, this city is just so exhausting. But then you walk out on stage and you see a little kid in the audience or somebody, you know, I think of somebody who's probably seeing their very first Broadway show for the first time. And it, you just go, wow, I remember, you know, you, you touch into that. And I still, when I go to the theater, which I, I try to go as often as I can, I love the theater, whether it's good or bad. Even if I go see bad shows, I, I love the conversations that happen. I love talking about theater. I love creating theater. It's just something that uh, I committed my life to, and it's still something I'm in- incredibly passionate about. So so one of the first things that you got to do for Disney was uh, Beauty and the Beast, and you got to understudy the Lumiere part. And I know that I think Beauty and the Beast ran until about 2007. That's right. And I joined in 2005. I actually only ended up doing that show for about a year because I left three months before they closed to do The Little Mermaid. Same theater, I went and I moved right back into the same dressing room station that I was in for Beauty and the Beast. Like I remember, I, I grew up in, in near Houston, not in Houston, but kind of about an hour and a half east. And Beauty and the Beast started in Houston when I was young. I was like in middle school or something when they first did their out of town tryout there. And so I remember we never we didn't go see it, but I remember when it opened and I took a high school trip to New York when I was like 15 and I sat sat in the front row and saw Beauty and the Beast when it was at the Palace Theater. And I thought that was 
you know, it was for me as a 15 year old little Texas musical theater lover, I was just like, oh my God, you know, it was magical. And that show really was to me still a magical show. Like there was just real fairy tale storytelling happening in that show. And I just loved it. And, um, and I remember when I booked it in 2005, when I, when I joined the company, the, they brought in Donnie Osmond to play Gaston. And when they brought Donnie in, they decided to bring in a different bell. And the bell that they brought in had played bell before. And it happened to be the woman who, who played bell when I saw it in high school. And I thought it was just this full circle moment for me of like, uh, wow, not only, you know, am I, you know, did I, am I doing a show that I saw on Broadway and dreamed of being in, I'm now in it and I'm actually working with the woman who played Belle. Uh, her name is Sarah Uriarty Berry. And I just thought that was so synchronistic and, um, and seeing families. Yeah. And of course, like seeing families in the audience, you know, those are the moments where you kind of go, wow. My my childhood dreams can come true, and so can these people's childhood dreams come true. And you you know it makes performing that much more magical. And, and then you go ahead and you are originating a role in The Little Mermaid. You are an ensemble member, but also you are the understudy to Prince Eric. And and I don't think a lot of I, I don't really think we get a, to hear a lot from the understudies themselves. So. Uh, as an understudy, it seems like you guys have your probably like different rehearsals as opposed to what the original main cast has, just to make sure that you are always brushed up on the show because you're not the ones performing every night. You know, they are. <laughs> that was interesting in, in creating a show. Uh, Little Mermaid was the first time as an understudy I'd created a show. I had done Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on Broadway a few years before that, but I was just in the ensemble. And in this, I was understudying the prince, and sometimes they'll let you, as an understudy, observe rehearsals so you can kind of hear directly from the director's mouth what their vision is and also see the actors as they're developing the role. But they were pretty strict about not letting us witness any of that. And there's a resident director who works underneath the actual director who then sort of relays the information that he gains from rehearsals to us. Um, and then it really is up to us to do the work, to watch the other performers and write down and take notes and, uh, listen and pay attention to what they're doing as they make changes. And because you never know, like you could be in the middle of a rehearsal and they're like, you need to, you know, they have to leave for a doctor's visit or a costume fitting, or they have a rehearsal in another studio and then they may be like, Brett, you're up and you got to be on top of your game. And so especially in creating a show because they're making changes so much in, in Little Mermaid, you would show up every day and there would be new script pages and you'd have to put the new pages into your script and make sure you knew and highlighted the parts and knew what you were supposed to say. You know, it's, it's, it can be exhausting work to keep up on as well as learning your own stuff. You know, it's important, I think, to, you know, give yourself a little bit of motivation when you're an understudy to do the work yourself and not wait for somebody to tell you what to do because there's been many times where I've been caught off guard and if I hadn't been on my game, I could have really embarrassed myself. <laughs> what was it like to finally go ahead and be Prince Eric? What was the first night of playing him on stage like for you? Oh my gosh, it was so cool because, well, first off, usually the first time you go on is a little bit of a, you kind of go blank because of the nerves and 
the adrenaline. And um, so I remember the first time I went on, I was a little bit like, I don't, you wake up and you're in a blackout for two and a half hours. And you're like, wait, what just happened? But, uh, but the second time I went on, which is usually when you can kind of pay attention a little bit more, that was so cool to be singing the, you know, that original song, um, her voice that Alan Menken wrote. I was only the second person ever to sing that song on Broadway. You know, you just think about things like that and you're like, wow, this is cool. And, um, and to work uh, opposite Sierra and being, I'm such a Disney nerd to, to be in a Disney on Broadway show. It was just, it was really cool. And I always ask this to a lot of Broadway performers who always come on the show, regardless of whether it is male or female, if you could play any Broadway character, who would you like to uh, play at some point? <laughs> this is so funny. Is Jenna in Waitress, the Sarah Bareilles musical. I just love her song so much. <laughs> I could see you as Dolly in Hello, Dolly. <laughs> that is something I could totally see you as. <laughs> <laughs> I would nail that. And and of course, as I mentioned beforehand, I'd seen you in another show in Paramore, which was mm-hmm. Cirque du Soleil's uh, new Broadway show, and you got to play uh, Robbie, the choreographer. And I really loved the show. I thought you were so adorable in this purple outfit. It was so cute on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. With this in particular, it's 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 kind of different for Broadway, especially you know anything can happen. And and you know I was thinking about it. You know these performers, they're you know the twins that are in the show. If you have not seen any clips, please look on YouTube. But there are there's a, a two twins, two male twins, and they are the ones who perform this huge number. But if one of them is out, you know like they really can't be sick or off because there's nobody to fulfill their role. So what exactly exactly would happen if, if if worst case scenario something like that did happen during the year-long run they would cut the act which happened a couple times where we would just skip the act um the twins actually never really missed for any other reason than they took a vacation and when they took a vacation they ended up flying in another duo who have done other Cirque du Soleil shows and there were two Ukrainian guys that came in for I think it was two weeks and filled in for these for for the twins, and um, they do. It's not the exact same act; it's a little bit different, but it's a similar act. Um, there's a couple times where we were doing the hand to trap act, which was the the love triangle number, and the trapeze would hit like a set piece or something, and the set would start to sway, and we'd have to stop the act and like let them, just in case something fell, or you know, just get them off the stage. Um, and we definitely, but we never really stopped for any other accidents. There was always in the teeterboard act, which was the Western number at the end of Act One. There was always fear. That number was so scary because they had just had that little bitty board that they had to land on, and it was probably the most heart wrenching um, act in the show, where we would always be like, "Oh God, oh God, oh God." And then you got to play the role of AJ at some point. I saw photos, and I was like, I'd love to see you singing some of the AJ songs. Um, what was it like to kind of uh, jump in and be an understudy for that role? It was very different for me because he's a much older character, and like he's probably like 10 years older than me, so they put a wig on me with, you know, with some salt and pepper kind of uh, combed in, and uh, and I'd have to kind of age my age myself up a little bit which uh is is hard to 
um, carry for an entire two and a half hour show. Um, but it was also kind of fun with, with Cirque because they really encourage creativity and originality there. So they, they really allowed me to bring my own kind of AJ to life. And I kind of played him like he was a young Gene Kelly kind of, uh, director who was charming and could get what he wants. And then he just kind of flips in the end. And that was, that was fun to play with the darker sides. Cause I've always been like the Prince and Lumiere, who's like this, like sort of fun loving guy. And then this guy got to get really dark and really mean. And that's not something I often get to do. So uh, speaking of next show, what is in the cards? Or is there anything big coming up that we can talk about? Right now, I'm heading out to, a week from tomorrow, I'm heading out to Alabama, to Montgomery, Alabama, to play Bert and Mary Poppins at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. So I'll be in Montgomery for about six weeks doing that. And then beyond that, we'll see. And you released an album, too. I want to also link that in the show notes. It's called I Am No Prince. You have such a beautiful voice, Brett. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I have three final Disney-themed questions I ask every guest. So we'll start with the Donald question, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? I think I saw, I mean, I was a little bit older than a child, but I was... Uh, freshman in high school I saw The Lion King I think three times in theaters and our goofy question what Disney character besides the ones you've played in the past do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person uh Giselle (laughs) (laughs) and our Mickey question if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment what immediately comes to mind Lavender Blue well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Brett. And I, I really hope that we get to see you hopefully in another Disney musical up in New York. I cannot wait for you to play Bert in Alabama. So have fun, break legs, and thank you again for coming on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much. Once you're begun, you speak as one give and take.